Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans, and I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. Wanted to let you know that we are so glad that you found our content online, and we hope that you're blessed by it. But if you're a guest with us, one of the ways that you could let us know that you were here is by filling out the digital connect card that is at heightschurch.org connect or by scanning the QR code on the screen in front of you. I wanted to let you know also that you could join us in person every Sunday at 9 or 1030. And also that content is available live on YouTube and Facebook. We're really glad that you found us. You know, when you have a, a problem, who do you depend on for help? And when you have a problem, who do you depend on for help? Uh, now, is it a, a parent, maybe a friend, a boss, a coworker? Now, I know a lot of you are just going to automatically say, well, God, right? Because you're in church and you showed up at the 9 a.m. service. So when I ask who do you depend on for help, it's, well, I depend on God. So since you gave me that answer, let me rephrase the question. When you have a problem, at what point do you depend on God for help? Ah, see, that one hit a little probably closer to home, didn't it? Because it hits close to home for me. Because you may be like me, but I tend to want to fix my own problems, and I tend to want to do things my own way, until I exhaust all the answers, and then I go, okay, God, I need you. Am I the only one? Because if I am, that's okay. I'll just preach to myself, right? But I'm going to just guess that because we are all sinners, because we all sin in our life, because we all have the struggle within us, we tend to want to say, God, things are going okay. I don't really need you. Or God, things are eh, not great. I'll come to you when I really need you. But who do you depend on for help? That's why we're in this series called Dependent that we're wrapping up this morning because what we've been saying all through the month of January uh, in this morning is we need God. We need God when things are going great. We need things when, you know, when things are going bad. We always need God. And so through this series, we've said that we depend upon God for revival. And that, and that term revival means to awaken. You know, so when you kind of go spiritually asleep or you, or you slide away from God or, or just things become routine, revival comes and it, it gives you a fresh awareness of who God is, his presence again in your life. So we're dependent on him for revival. We depend on God for his word. We depend on God for his presence. We depend on him for joy. We depend on him in hard times. Last week, pa Pastor Jonathan said we, we depend on him for help. And so if you've missed any of those messages, you can go back and, and listen to them at our website, on our podcast, on our audio uh, you know, app there on your phone, or, or just go to our YouTube page and, and think about those. How are we depending on God for, for everything in our life? But Psalm 121, the psalmist is going to show us something important this morning. It's that we can depend upon God for help. Now, when you go to Psalm 121, you, you might have this little kind of subtitle uh, there when you look at it, and it says, A Song of Ascents. Now, the Song of Ascents, it runs from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and it's a group of psalms, and what those psalms are intended to do is to reflect upon the time in which people are making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. 
And so there would be times people would come into Jerusalem for festivals and times of worship. So this is a, maybe a group of people that are ascending to Jerusalem. They are coming into town to worship, and they're preparing their hearts for that. And, and why I love this psalm is it, it really shows you two beautiful things out of this. First, it shows you this is what we do collectively when we come to worship. Uh, whether we are worshiping in person, whether we are worshiping together online, our hearts should ascend to the Lord in worship. When we come and we worship collectively together, we are saying as people of God, we want to love the Lord. And so our, our love for God in worship is growing, it's ascending. But also the psalm reminds us of this, while we're living out life, in the journey that we have, we need help. We need help all the time. First, you see in the text that God is our helper. He's our helper. Verse 1, he says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. From where does my help come? He asks that question when he says that I will lift my eyes to the hills. You know, that, that phrase hills there, it's, it's really got a double meaning, I think, within the text. And it's kind of interesting to stop and think about it this way is, is in biblical times, they thought that, you know, the false gods, the idols, they lived on the hills. That's where they, they were. They lived in the hills. They were on top of the mountains, these false gods, these idols. So the psalmist is always is saying, if I look into the hills, who's going to help me there? If I look to the idols in my life, well, those idols help me. See, idols don't take, or idols don't give, they take. Idols don't love, they take your love. Idols don't serve you, they want to be served. And that's what makes God amazing, is God loves us. God serves us. It was Jesus that came to say, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. See, an idol will take things constantly in your life. It'll take your attention. It'll take your love away from the Lord. It'll take all of you because that's what the idol is requiring. But the idol doesn't give back. So the psalmist is saying, look, I, I can look into the hills. I can look to the idol of work. I can look to the idol of money. I can look to the idol of pleasure. I can look to the idol of relationships. I can look to the idol of food. I can look to all these false gods all around me. And do they help me? Where does my help come from? But you also can think about hills this way. As they're making this pilgrimage through the hills, through the mountains, what do hills do if you're out in the mountains? Hills will disguise danger. You know, hills... When you're there, you don't always see what's around the turn. You don't know what or who is waiting behind that. We've, we've seen this in the movies, right? You know where I'm going. You, know, you got the cowboys. They're out on the horses. They come to a mountain pass. There's a pass in the mountains. They stop on their horses right there. And they look and they talk and they're like, okay, if we take this pass, it's a dangerous pass. But we got to go through it. But we won't know really what's behind the hills. Maybe there's a robber there, or, or people's behind there, or animals there. We don't know what might attack us as we're living and, and going through the hills. 
Where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord. That, that word help there appears twice in verse 1 and 2. And so as you're reading through your Bible and you start seeing words that are appearing like that over and over, you want to stop and reflect upon them. The word help means to guard, to keep, to watch over, to attend carefully. So it's the Lord who watches over us, who guards us, who keeps us, who helps us. It's God who is our helper. But that's hard to remember in, in difficult times, isn't it? Because in, in hard times, it's hard to think that God's helping us in the moment of pain. Because sometimes in the moment of pain, it seems like God is distant, like he's checked out, like he's up in those hills somewhere and not with us. And so here's a practical thing I try to do in my life that I want to just encourage you on because it's encouraged me. Is there's times when I reflect upon who God is and how God helps me is I have to stop and think, well, wait a minute, the God I'm worshiping and the God that I'm asking for help of is the same God of the Bible. And if God helped them then, he will help me now. So this is the God who helped Moses and gave him a second chance after, in life after he committed murder. This is the same God who helped David find joy again in his life after he confessed his sin. This is the same God who helped Elijah, lifting him out of a time of depression and suicidal thoughts. This is the same God who told Mary Magdalene she had value and worth as a person when she walked away from a life of being a prostitute. This is the same God who comforted Paul when his friends turned their back on Paul and people persecuted him for preaching the gospel. This is a God that you can read all throughout time who helps people. And in your life, you can say, God, you're my helper. You are the one who's keeping me. You're the God who is guarding me. You're the one who is watching over me. And notice who he is. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. Who is he? He's the creator. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth. When you read that, what does that do to your soul? What is that doing in your mind? To stop and think, wait a minute. This God who I'm crying out to for help, this God who comes to my rescue is the creator. The one who put the heavens and created them and the earth and he put all the stars in the sky, and he names them all. He's the one who's helping me. This person who often feels insignificant, who maybe wonders about their value, wonders if anyone knows them and loves them. The God of the cosmos says, you are significant to me because I know you. I love you. I've redeemed you, and I am your helper. What does that do to your soul? That should comfort us. That should cause us to love him. That should build within us trust to know this is the God who helps us. It's Paul who says this in Colossians 1 verses 16 through 17, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You remember the song as a kid? He has the whole world where? In his hands. He has you in his hands. He is your helper 
The psalmist also shows us he is your keeper. He helps you. He keeps you. Verses 3 through 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He keeps Israel. He will neither sleep nor slumber. Now again, we see the word keep is used twice again in those verses. But that word keep again is a very key word within the text as it's used six times in the eight verses. Now, if you have an NIV translation, I, I preach from the English Standard Version. So if you have an NIV out there, it'll say watches over. And watches over, again, it's used six times in those eight verses. So the psalmist is drawing us into what God does and who he is. He is a helper and he is a keeper. And this keeper is one who is not asleep. He is not in slumber this is God who does not take vacation days. He doesn't take a personal day. He doesn't check out for a little while. He doesn't say, I, I just got to, you know, have a little me time and you guys just handle it on your own. No, this is God who is always present. This is God who is always with us, keeping us and helping us. And, and what's interesting, I think what the psalmist is doing that you and I need to remember is this is a time and a day that they believed in these false gods that often needed to be woken up. And these gods were checked out. And they, they needed to be awoken. They needed to, you know, someone needed to wake them from their sleep when they needed help. Some of you may remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 18. It's one of my favorite stories. It's Elijah versus the Baal worshipers. It is the showdown at Mount Carmel. Now, there have been a lot of famous events and showdowns throughout history. There has been, you know, the, the, the fight between Ali and Frazier. You know, the, uh, what is it? Vanilla, not vanilla in Manila. Come on. Somebody help me. The what? The thrill in Manila. There we go. I don't know why vanilla popped in my head. I like vanilla. I like chocolate better, but. I like. So, you, you got that. Tommy, help me out. You got Ali Frazier, right? The thrill in Manila. You got a Super Bowl today. It's the old man versus the young man, right? I mean, it is Tom Brady who has crested over 40 and is Patrick Mahomes still learning how to shave. I mean, we have got events all throughout history of these contests that are famous. And now it is Elijah versus the Baal worshipers. 450 Baal worshipers there, there at Mount Carmel. And Elijah says, look, you guys got to choose. Do you worship God or do you worship Baal? And he says, look, we'll have a little showdown to show you who's God's who and who's God's real. So he says, all right, you guys, look, take a, take a bull, sacrifice the bull, put him there on the altar. I'm going to take a bull, sacrifice him, put him here on the altar. Then we're going to pray and ask, you ask Baal, and I'm going to ask God to rain down fire from heaven and consume this offering. Whoever God does that, and I'll show you who the real God is. So the Baal worshipers begin to pray, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're singing, and they're dancing. They're doing everything they can do. And they've been going, and they've been going, and they've been going. And Elijah's just sitting under a tree, man. It's lunchtime. He, he, he picked him up some water burger, got him a Bucky's root beer, and he's hanging out. And these guys are dancing and calling out and calling out to Baal. Baal's not worshiping. So Elijah then tweets out the best junk talk you can put. And he just starts blasting social media, and he says, hey, you know what? Maybe he's asleep. Why don't you wake him up? 
why don't you try a little harder? So they, they up the ante on all the things. And finally he says, you know, that's enough. Baal's not going to answer you. And Elijah prays and fire comes down from heaven. See, God's not asleep. God doesn't sleep nor slumber. Now, some of you have already thought about this when I have said this because you're looking at me that way. So thank you for mentioning it. Let's go there. What about Jesus? Because there is a time when the disciples are in a boat out in the sea in the middle of a storm and they are bailing the water out of the boat and they are worried for their lives. And I have always said if professional fishermen are worried about a storm, it's bad, right? If they panic, it's bad. And there's Jesus in the stern. The Bible says he's actually sleeping on a pillow. He's got that deep rim cycle sleep going. And they walk up to him. Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? When was the time you prayed that? When was the time you said that? Did you feel like he was asleep when you had the miscarriage? Did you feel like he was asleep when you had the car accident? Do you feel like he was nowhere to be found and asleep when your loved one passed away? Do you not care that we are perishing, that we are hurting? See, the Bible shows you that this God doesn't sleep nor slumber. That when Jesus said, you know what, let me just show you how much in control I am of this moment. He woke up and said, peace be still. The storm stopped and he went back to his rim sleep. You don't want a God who's in the boat bailing the water. That's not who you want. Don't look at that text and think God's checked out and doesn't care when the storm's happening. You don't want Jesus beside Peter with a bucket in his hand going, Pete, I don't know about this one. This is bad. Maybe we lighten the load. Let's just get rid of Judas now, right? You don't want that. You want a God who's in control of it all. And the Bible shows us this, that there are times that God will take us around a storm, but there are many times he will take us through it. He'll be right there with us. We sang it earlier. I was sure by now you would have reached down. You would have wiped our tears away. Stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. Well, as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I'll praise you in this storm. I'll lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am. In every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. Though my heart is torn. I will praise you in the storm. He is your helper. He is your keeper. The psalmist shows us he is your protector. He protects us. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He is the Lord who protects you. 
I love the way that John Piper puts this when it comes to the Lord's protection and activity and work in our lives, is that God is doing 10,000 things in our lives, and we might be aware of three of them. God is working all around you all the time, and, and you may just be aware of a few of those. Have you ever been at the stoplight, and it, your light turned green, and the Holy Spirit said, no, stop, don't move. And all of a sudden, the big 18-wheeler comes barreling through the red light. Wow, God, that little moment of protection. That God is protecting you every day, watching over you every day in countless and thousands upon thousands of ways that we may never see. He is our helper. He is our protector. He is our keeper. That's why in this study that we're doing right now in our group, Seven Realities for Experiencing God, that we've learned in reality, one, that, that God is always at work around us. And we as believers in Jesus Christ need to just say, how, how can we join you? Reality two, uh, we've learned that God is a loving and a, and a personal God. And many of you have probably started reality three or you're about to today, that God invites you to join in his work because he is this Lord who helps us and keeps us, this Lord who protects us. But notice finally, he's a Lord that preserves us. He is a preserver. Verses 7 through 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. You're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Verse 7, he will keep your life. He will keep your life now. He has you in his hands now. The end of verse 8, he has you in his hands for all of eternity. The God who saved you is the God who keeps you, and he is the God who will deliver you home safely to heaven. The God who saved you is the God who is keeping you and the God who will deliver you home to heaven. Matt read it earlier, Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I'm sure, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation. Look at the screen there with me. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is our preserver. I love what Henry Blackaby on page 42 here in this study says about God's love for us. Listen to what he says. He said, God could have loved us even after we rejected, ignored, and disobeyed him. But yet God's love is completely different from ours. His love follows us to the depths of our sinfulness until he has reclaimed us. His love is undaunted when we run from him and he continues to pursue us. What incredible love he has demonstrated to us. How is it possible to know this kind of a God? How is it possible to have this relationship with God that is now and, and carries into eternity forever? How is it possible to know him as your helper and your keeper and your protector and the one who preserves your life? It is possible through Christ. Because it's Jesus in John 16, that says in this world you're going to have trials. You have tribulations, you'll have troubles. 
But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's this Jesus who died on the cross for our sin and rose from the grave who brings us to God in this relationship now that lasts for all of eternity. God is your helper, the one you can cry out to help for. I found out this past week that a former coworker of mine, Amanda, had passed away. I worked with Amanda in Pasadena uh, when I was at State Farm from 2015 to early 2017. Uh, Amanda sat in my kind of little cubicle area. Uh, she sat right behind me. So she had to stare at the back of my head Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. You know, Amanda and I talked every so often um, in between sales calls where I was being a very bad insurance salesman and just learned I couldn't sell anything. And Amanda was always very kind to me. We, you know, we would talk, and, and every so often we would, you know, be able to talk about the Lord. And, and I don't really know where she stood totally with Jesus and if she was a believer in Christ or not. But we had several conversations about the gospel and what God could do in your life. Back in January, Amanda uh, sent me a, a message on Facebook. And she said, hey, I hadn't talked to you in a long time. And, and I want to just start reading the Bible a little more. Do you, you have any suggestions? And so I, you know, responded back and Gave her some tips and some ideas about how to get back in the Bible. Three weeks ago, at the age of 39, she contracted COVID-19. On Wednesday, she passed away. She's in eternity somewhere. Is God your helper? Because you and I will we'll go through a lot of trials in our lives. We'll face a lot of difficulties. But the greatest trial you have to face is your sin problem. The greatest difficulty staring you down is hell for all of eternity. And, and, and if you stop and think about it, we're, we, we're all born. We all have a birth. We all have a death. And in between birth and death is life. And if you think about it, 80, 85 years, 90, 100 years, well, if you, you know, even live to be 200 years old, how long does that look compared to eternity? And so right now, God can help you in your problems. But these problems that we go through that Paul says are light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory... It's the Lord who gives us a release from problems forever. It's the Lord who says, maybe for 80 years you're going to have some struggles and tribulations, but you can be of good cheer, for I've overcome them all. The good news of what God gives you today is his presence. The good news of what God gives you today is his help. The good news of what God gives you today is an eternity away from sin and death and pain because of what Christ has done. He is your helper. Let's go to him in prayer where you are. I want to thank you for watching today's message. I hope that you found it encouraging and challenging to your faith. At Heights, our mission is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And right now, I want to encourage you, if you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, placed your faith and trust in Him, then the Bible calls you to do that. 
And today, right where you are, you can place your faith in Christ and become a new believer in Jesus. You know, that's such an important decision that every person has to make. You know, one day you are going to stand before God and give an account of your life, to give an account of what you did with Jesus Christ in your life. And so I want to encourage you, just as Hebrews 4.12 says that today is the day of salvation, just right where you are, give your life to Jesus Christ. And the way that you can do that is through prayer. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10.13, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're interested today in starting a relationship with Jesus, having your sin forgiven, finding forgiveness of your sin and new life with Christ that lasts for all of eternity, I want to encourage you to pray along with me. Let's pray together. Dear God, today I need Jesus as my Savior. I place my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for saving me. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to be able to connect with you. If you'd like to go to heightschurch.org slash connect, let us know that you prayed. Let us know how we can pray for you. But the important step that you need to take is to let somebody know, today I started a new relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to come alongside of you and encourage you in that new direction in your life. We'd love to have you in person if you're able to make it at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you have any other needs, contact us at heightschurch.org connect. We'll be back in touch with you. Thank you for watching today's message, and I hope you have a great week.